Hey everyone, welcome to Good Wolf Radio. It's Jerry Scarlato, founder and fitness coach of Thrivology in Alexandria, Kentucky. And today we're going to start a conversation on movement. All of the series that we've done, or most of the series that we've done leading up to this one, have been more on the self-improvement side, if you will. We've talked about identity, we've talked about motivation, we've talked about showing up. All of those things are ideas and concepts around like how you improve yourself, improve your self-discipline, improve other areas, willpower, not those things. And uh, specifically, we will talk about discipline and willpower specifically at some point. Um, today, we're going to talk about what the nuts and bolts of being a physical human is about movement. Um, movement matters in every aspect of our lives and in every aspect of being a human. Every movement does count, I believe, and we're going to talk about and over the course of the next three episodes, understand why that is the case and figure out how we can build more movement into our day. A lot of people think that if they can't get you know, whatever, 60 minutes of exercise, high intensity exercise in a couple days a week, then the rest of it doesn't matter. They look at exercise and they think of that as the only thing that is they need to work on in order to improve their health. Well, there's other aspects of movement that are worth improving and worth building on because, like I said, movement is what not the only thing, but it is a big part, a gigantic part of what makes us human. It is what gives us the ability to do everything that we pretty much want to do. If you want to take action on anything, you have to move. But without that capability and without that capability, we, we just wouldn't be able to accomplish the things that we have accomplished as human beings and individually um, ourselves. So movement matters every movement matters high intensity movement matters resistance training matters running matters like all of these different kinds of things matter doesn't mean that you have to be able to do all of them or that you should do all of them and incorporate all of them um, it does mean that we should figure out how to incorporate different kinds of movement into our lives but before we get to that we need to figure out why movement matters so much to human beings. And in order to do that, we're going to answer two important questions. Question number one, what are humans optimized for? In other words, what over time, what have humans, why, why did humans become humans? And why were they, why did we evolve to become the way that we are? Uh, number two, what happens when you stop moving? What happens when you don't move regularly, when you don't exercise regularly. And if you look at society today, on average, that is a lot of society. Most of our jobs are sedentary jobs. A lot of the things that surround us encourage us to sit still, <laughs> whether that be sitting literally on a seat or standing still or whatever. Our phones encourage us to be still. Our laptops are whatever TVs encourage us to sit, like all of those things pretty much require you to be still in order to use them. So we have to overcome the things that are around us in order to build this movement into our lives. And basically, 
if we can look at human society, or at least American society, if you will, and see what happens when we don't move, because we are basically one huge experiment about that. Over the last 20, 30, 40 years, we have turned into a society and built a culture of non-movement. And so we, we know exactly what happens. And we're going to look at that in today's episode about what happens when we don't move. Of course, the first thing we want to look at is what are humans optimized for? And in order to understand what humans are optimized for, we need to go back a very, very, very long time, um, which is actually about 10 million years ago. Now, 10 million years is a long time. It's hard for us to really like grasp that amount of time. The average human being lives for 80 or 85 years. So 10 million years is a long time to actually grasp. Um, 10 million years is about the amount of time that a that we went from being like other things to being like humans, if that makes sense. And in order to understand that, we have to understand two things. Number one, Charles Darwin's theory of evolution uh, based on natural selection. So Charles Darwin, if you learned back in high school, is the guy who came up with the, or at least made popular, the theory of evolution through natural selection. He wasn't only talking about humans when he came up with this theory. Um, he's talking about pretty much all living things. Um, so the theory of nat natural selection basically says that the characteristics that we have today or that animals and things have today are the characteristics that have been selected for over time, selected for over time that will increase the likelihood of that species surviving uh, and that species uh, offspring surviving, okay? Basically, that's what natural selection says. So us being the way that we are, upright, and a couple of other things that we're gonna talk about, those things were over a 10 million span, year span, 10 million year span selected for based on the likelihood of them increasing our likelihood of surviving and our offspring's likelihood of surviving. That's what Charles Darwin said. Um, to understand more about that 10 million year time frame, we also have to understand this other idea called taxonomy. Uh, taxonomy is basically a nine classification system of living things. Nine classifications, starting with the broadest of classifications, which is called domain. There are only three domains on human earth, human earth on earth. <laughs> um, we are in the domain of eukarya, which literally means nucleated cell. There are lots of other things in that domain. So if you start to go down this classification scale, if you will, will which you can visualize as an upside down pyramid, uh, as you start to go down the scale, it becomes more and more narrow, meaning more and more species of animal are eliminated from the classification. So the last four classifications are um, family, tribe, genus, and species. Family, tribe, genus, and species. There's subclassifications under those things as well. Uh, I forget. Family is like, I don't, 
there's two or three subclassifications that are like escaping my mind for some reason, but um, we're just going to talk about those four. So family, human beings are in the classification of hominid. Other animals that are in that classification include apes, orangutans, uh, chimpanzees, bonobos, and gorillas, and humans. That's what's in the hominid family. If we go down another classification and we eliminate more animals, we have tribe. We are in the hominin tribe with chimpanzees and bonobos. If we go down another classification, we are the genus Homo, which means literally, literally means man. And then our species is sapiens, which literally means wise. So we are Homo sapiens or uh, wise man, if you will. So um, that is important to understand with natural selection because 10 million years ago, so archaeological evidence mm, assumes. Now understand this is all theory. This is all theory because we can't go back 10 million years and prove 100% that this is what happened. But um, over the course of time, which has been maybe 100 or 150 years that archaeology has been around. It hasn't been all that long. Uh, so over that course of time, we've dug up enough, we, not me, of course, but scientists and researchers and archaeologists have dug up enough um, bones and scraps and all that goodness to put this concept together to understand about 10 million years ago, something happened that caused us to branch from what were chimpanzees and bonobos of the time and start to become human beings. And to understand how that happened, we have to understand how natural selection happens, just like growth, personal growth happens generally through times of stress. So like when you exercise, that's physical stress on your body. And if you stress it hard enough and then you allow time to recover, then your body will grow. Either physically grow, your nervous system will improve, your cardiovascular system will improve. It'll grow. When it comes to evolution and natural selection, the same idea holds, meaning during high times of stress, natural selection is much more powerful. Changes happen much more readily, if you will, when high times of stress happen. So from about 10 million years ago to about 5 million years ago, that's a big time frame, about 10 million to about 5 million years ago, uh, that was the first shift, if you will, that started our path to becoming human beings or homo sapiens. Uh, that was a cold, a cooling period on Earth. It was a major cooling period on Earth, that 5 million year time frame. The next time frame after that was about 2 million years ago to about 3 million years ago. That was another major cooling period. Um, it was actually much more drastic um, and much more major than that first one. Those two time frames are where the major shifts, we see the major shifts in human beings becoming human beings. So what were the changes that happen 
that made us go from potentially chimpanzees and bonobos to upright human beings over that period of time. Um, there were three major characteristic changes that happened. Number one is bipedalism. I think I'm saying that correctly, but essentially becoming a biped or a being that walks on two legs instead of four legs or four uh, of your appendages most of the time. So monkeys, for instance, they knuckle walk. So they're technically walking on four appendages. Of course, dogs, zebras, horses, they're quadrupeds. They definitely walk on four legs. Uh, we are bipedal. We walk on just two. We have two legs that we walk on. Um, that gave us a couple of advantages. Becoming a biped allowed us to forage and hold food better. So when you're if you're a monkey and you're trying to hang on to food and then move from destination one to destination two, it's not going to happen because you're trying to walk on your knuckles where if you're a human and you're upright and you're grabbing things with your hand and holding things with your hands, then you're able to actually walk with things, go from point A to point B with things in your hand. So it allowed us to forge better. Um, walking on two legs allowed us to travel longer distances more effectively. If you've ever watched a monkey try to travel any amount of distance, it looks very ineffective and it looks very cumbersome. Whereas human beings run 200 miles pretty regularly, well, not most human beings, very rare human beings, but it's uh, not unusual, I guess, for a human being to go run on what's called an ultra marathon and run over 100 miles at a time. Um, Lastly, it helped us be able to swim, see over grass, and a number of other important things that al allowed us to evade potential predators. So like lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, hunter-gatherers needed to be able to invade those kinds of things. So swimming was certainly very helpful. Maybe not from bears, but lions and tigers certainly don't like water. At least I don't think they do. Um, and then seeing over grass, like being able to see over um, even bushes and maybe sh shorter trees, very important for trying to get away or see if a predator is on its way. Um, so biped, becoming a biped, being, uh, being on two legs. To go along with bipedalism, being upright, standing fully upright was very important as well. So from that first transition, that five, 10 million to 5 million year transition, much of the hominids of the time or the things that look like human beings of the time really just were chimpanzees or apes that were still kind of slouched over and not fully standing. When we became fully standing and we were totally upright, that changed the game even more because straight legs and hips allow for full extension of the knee and of the hip. And that full extension allows for the legs to basically act as a spring. When you walk, your leg is essentially, if you're walking correctly, if you will, um, essentially act as a spring to move you forward. When you run, it's the same thing. It's your leg and all the way down to your Achilles tendon and your heel is acting as a spring to propel you forward. A monkey can't do that. It can't spring forward, if you will. If you've ever seen a monkey, again, walk or move, it's it's a waddle forward when they're walking on two legs. So very inefficient. 
a chimpanzee some degree it's like four or five times more uh, more energy to walk the same distance as a human being so um, being upright being able to get into extension and keep the and straighten the leg out helped the help us walk more efficiently um, also longer legs reduce the cost of walking again going back to the example of a chimpanzee taking four times more energy to walk the same distance the energy our bodies want to save as much energy as possible so if we can walk upright and use our legs as springs to save energy then that is going to be an advantage for us uh, the last thing and this is this is just a short list so becoming a biped being upright and the last thing keeping cool uh, so most animals actually i don't think any animal cools the way that we do uh, we cool by sweating primarily we cool in other ways as well but we cool by sweating and everyone knows what sweating is but essentially what happens when you sweat the body heats up the body releases water through your pores and that water cools the skin that's the simple way to say it um, that is something that i don't believe any other animal can do a dog pants to cool itself off um, so it can only go so far and this is most other animals they can only go so far before they have to stop and cool themselves off if they keep going then they will literally pass out or die so a dog has to run for a certain amount of time play for a certain amount of time and then stop and pant in order to cool itself off you've probably seen this over and over again um, whereas a human being like i said we sweat so we can move for a long period of time i've already talked about ultra marathons being 100 miles plus and how those people were running for 100 miles at a time that's a long period of time most definitely and they're sweating the whole time so their body is cooling themselves always uh, another thing that happened during this time um, when it comes to cooling is the protruding nose so a monkey if you've ever seen a monkey's nose is inward our noses are outward uh, so why this is effective in cooling the body when you breathe in what happens is and by no means my nose expert but you breathe in air goes in the nostrils and takes a turn downward and that turn downward mm, creates a vortex i believe and that vortex of air cools the innards of your body um, and lastly standing upright mm, standing upright creates less surface area for the sun to beat down on so with the dog a dog's down on four legs and there's a lot of surface area for the for the the uh, dog to for the sun to beat down on if you will um, whereas we're upright so really the sun only has our head and our arms if we're moving them and our uh, the tops of our legs as we walk forward if we lay down on the ground then the sun beats down on our whole body and that warms our body faster whereas if we're upright then the sun only beats down on the parts that it can hit and so we don't get as hot as quick if that makes sense so with these three changes over time uh, being a biped walking on two legs being upright and cooling 
those three things came about so that we could move better, so that we could move more effectively, so that we could be able to forage better, hunt better, do all of those things better, uh, be able to climb over branches and climb, uh, go under branches and step over things and swim through lakes and all of that good stuff. It, literally, they evolved so that we could do them better and longer, being able to cool the body off. Uh, so then the next question is what happens when we quit moving? Like I said, our current society is basically a big experiment on this. Um, modern humans sit eight to 10 hours a day, which is a long time to sit. Um, modern, there are still some hunter-gatherer societies in the world. Uh, modern hunter-gatherer societies walk on average eight to 10 miles a day. Excuse me, modern humans in our society walk one and a half to two miles a day. Not that you, not that you want to need to get to eight to 10 miles a day by any stretch. Not that that has to happen, but one and a half to two miles a day versus eight to 10. Um, another study showed that if the world simply increased its activity by 25%, that over 1.3 million deaths per year would be avoided. So that's why and how movement is so important. So our bodies are impacted majorly when we quit moving. And I'm going to put those impacts in four different buckets. Number one is cardiovascular. cardiovascular. So uh, when you don't move, you have increased arterial, arterial stiffness and reduced blood pressure regulation. Essentially, what can happen is your increase, you have an increased risk of stroke and heart attack over time. Um, and also, because of arterial stiffness and blood pressure regulation issues, increase you know, your hyper, hypertension, um, your blood pressure increases, that's what I'm trying to say, and other things happen as well. Uh, metabolically, you lose, not lose, but your ability to effectively store and clear glu glucose and to utilize fat as fuel is reduced. Um, your, you have the potential to develop what's called insulin resistance because of that lack of ability to clear glucose and because of the lack of ability to clear fat from your body, you are potentially storing more fat than you should because of not moving. From a mental aspect, uh, historically, movement has been used to de-stress the body, if you will. In other words, um, intense muscle activity is a natural response to intense stressful stimuli. So when we were hunter-gatherers and all of a sudden we needed to run from something, we ran from it. There were stressful stimuli, we had to get up and we had to go and we had to run. That's that feeling that you get whenever you feel like you need to let off steam and you go to the gym and you feel better once you leave, that's your body wanting to relieve that mental stress. Well, so many of us don't move often anymore and so we're not able to relieve that mental stress, which in increases our risk of other men of mental diseases such as dementia and Alzheimer's. Finally, from a musculoskeletal standpoint, we, over time, 
we have certain muscles that will stiffen up over time and we have certain muscles that will weaken over time. All muscles will stiffen and weaken over time if we sit long enough, but hip stiffness, hip flexors especially will stiffen up, um, knee stiffness, ankle stiffness, shoulder stiffness, all of that stuff happens whenever you sit for long periods of time. Literally the term, if you don't use it, you lose it, is a very real thing to think about when it comes to sitting and your muscles, bones, tendons, and ligaments. When you sit for long periods of time and you're not pushing your body and you're not testing your muscles and you're not testing your tendons, ligaments, and bones, then they have no reason to continue to function the way that you want them to function. Um, and that means a drastic reduce in power and strength as you age, which happens naturally, but you can certainly dissipate it, slow it down, stop it, and potentially even reverse it to some degree up to a certain age. But if for sitting for a long periods of time, that, that is going to speed that process up. So uh, those are the four major buckets that are impacted when it comes to sitting for long periods of time. Literally sitting is, or being sedentary, not moving, if you will, is one of the underlying things that we just don't talk about often enough that is causing a lot of our dysfunction as human beings that we just don't see. We look directly for, we do look at nutrition, we look at things like smoking, we look at things like alcoholism, um, and other more obvious things, I guess, but not moving is a very, very, very big part of our lives that we're missing, that we need to build on. And our cardiovascular ab ability, our metabolism, our mental abilities, and our skeletal and muscular systems um, are being very much impacted by our lack of movement. So I know that that was a lot to cover in that amount of time. I know that a lot of it was different than usual, um, but let's quickly review the basic points, if you will. So first of all, uh, humans evolved over the course of about 10 million years. We developed three distinct characteristics that made us prone to more movement. Walking on two legs, being upright, and cooling our bodies off, all of which allowed us to move better, longer, and more effectively. When we don't move, there are four major areas that are impacted. Cardiovascular, metabolic, mental, and musculoskeletal. And when you put all of that together, I don't want to say it proves by any stretch, but I think that it creates a picture that shows that human beings are meant to move. We are meant for movement. And the world around us and the environment around us is trying to keep us from doing that. Trying, maybe not the right word. It is keeping us from doing that, definitely. It is encouraging us to move less. And so overcoming that is going to be important, and we're going to tackle that on our next episode. Until then, here's a couple questions to think about, and then we'll wrap up. Number one, 
How much do, how much do I prioritize movement during the day? Uh, how often are you thinking about getting up and moving? How often are you exercising? How many times a week? Number two, what forms of movement am I doing that, that are supporting my goals? So again, not just exercise. If your goal is to be healthy and fit, if your goal is to lose weight, if your goal is to feel better, have more energy, exercise definitely important, but it's worth thinking about other forms of movement. And what can I do to decrease my inactivity throughout the day? That's kind of going off of these other questions at the same time. So what can I do to decrease me not moving? If I spend a lot of time at work and I have to sit at a desk, what can I do to help myself move more often? That's everything I have for today. Make sure that you subscribe to this and share with your friends, spread the good word. And until next time, my friends, here's to your success and health and fitness mastery.